I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today we're going to do the year so far in hip-hop. To help us out, we have Charles Holmes here. You have made a list of some of the best stuff, and it's kind of limiting to do just albums in rap, especially now. It's more singles-driven than ever. It's playlist-driven. It's moment-driven. Yep. You, made, you made a list of some albums. You made a list of some singles. I thought maybe we'd actually start with some singles. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's um, do it. I feel like I agree, and I probably got into it first, both from you and from Rap Caviar, DeBaby. He's hilarious. Yeah, um, man, DeBaby. He's a great guy. I interviewed him a couple months ago. I think DeBaby is a good example of a form of rap and a form of coming up in rap that we don't see that much you know he's a little bit older he had been on the scene forever a super grassroots movement he was making these hilarious videos on youtube and just slowly slowly building i think one of the videos that really kind of catapulted him initially was walker texas ranger this was about the time that old town road was coming wow. out this was him like in a cowboy suit it was very very just like hopping not really even hopping on that wave he was just very very good at noticing that this was about to become a thing and then he honestly blew up with Suge which when I listened to it I didn't even know that that would be the single that would pop but I'm glad that it did I mean DeBaby is like a perfect example of a rapper who to me he's in that traditional space of just giving that feeling of aggression and just kind of like not caring he goes viral so many times for uh, getting up in people's faces he's not afraid to like back down when people try him did he literally take a dude down in a viral video versus somebody else or oh a guy was trying to basically like punk him and say that like the baby wouldn't do anything and he was just being really antagonistic and you know the baby to his credit he defended himself he was very much like hey if you want to like come into this door it was just a great moment it's very this is cliche to say but 50 cent esque yeah you can watch that video and it's like the truth is even legally speaking he was on solid ground like he he was like, (laughs) like people do the dumbest shit to make viral videos like they will commit a crime to try to make a viral video try to assault the baby and then are surprised when he takes you down not smart on any level. Hey, but it was smart on the baby's part for just taking that moment and running with it. Let's hear that song, which is unrelated to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The first nigga play on my body, a nigga. I just check my balance. I'll probably pull up to your hood and come buy me a nigga. No cap. You know that your hoe told you that nigga crazy. Don't think she lied to your nigga. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. What was it like talking to him? He is surprisingly for how hot he has become so humble he's a workhorse he was just very very excited because you have to think he was working so long in a place where you know we have somebody like a Lil Nas X who becomes the biggest star overnight versus a baby who really had to like work and I'm not saying like that's taking nothing against Lil Nas X but that's just saying like baby it took him longer to get here so he is very calculated he's very about his business he's somebody who like even on the phone he's like checked in he's like all right this is rolling stone i'm going to be plugged into this interview right now which you can tell that in his music that he just comes from a different Mm. world he's a little bit older and he knows that like this is his shot and it's taken him years to get to that point another song that i also really like this year is the song pop out by polo g uh, Polo G and Lil TJ. Yep. Yeah. That song is great. I think Polo G is a perfect example of what I like to call there's a new renaissance happening in Chicago. Polo G is the leader of that. I would say Cowboys there, Lil Zay Osama, Anne Marie who's in R&B and Pop Out is the biggest song coming from that besides Envy Me by Cowboy. And it's just, yeah, it's a great song. I don't know what to say about Pop Out, but it's just amazing. <laughs> 
Let's just hear it. Gang, and it's gonna be a robbery. So tuck your chain. I'm a killer girl. I'm sorry. So I actually have some thoughts about Polo G. You also named, I think, his album as one of your favorite albums of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him, Polo G is a good example. Him, Cowboy, Lose, Osama. I've talked to all of them. As much as they've tried to distance themselves, they all are coming from the Lil Dirk tree. Very, very melodic, auto-tune driven. They can really write songs that can really harmonize. And Polo G, his album is so good because he can balance all of those melodies with honestly harder songs, more lyrical songs. Uh, Brendan, that what, it's probably your biggest, like your favorite album of the year. <laughs> That's my album of the year right now. What I like about that album and about him is, like you said, it's the melodies, but specifically like they're really like plaintive and emotive melodies. They're also sad. And it's like, I can't help it. I'm a killer. Like on that particular song, it's like there's like a real pained quality to it that really struck me and combined with that really grimy lyrics it's he's pretty interesting i like him all of those guys i it's sad but they're all coming from a generation that's post drill so they saw a whole generation really just decimated for multiple reasons just because of everything that's going on in chicago and when you talk to apollo g or lil zay osama or a cowboy what they've really said is like they had to learn, you know, they had to learn how to not only navigate the industry, but navigate the fact that like a lot of violence made it so that they didn't really have other people to look up to. And you can sense that tragedy in his music and also chasing for that triumph and trying to find another way. Yeah, I think that's to place it geographically and temporarily in Chicago in 2019 helps to like really explains the, the, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. The last generation of Chicago rappers who all broke out were kind of defined by the sense of nihilism. It was kind of like Chicago is a bad place to be a kid. And that's still part of the DNA of Chicago rap right now. But there's this increasing sense of regret and loss that's coming into the fold where Cowboys, the other big rapper that we've been talking about and his Envy Me is, is just a sad song. He's not trying to be excited about it. He's like, regretful about a lot of things and also just kind of wishes he could be a normal kid for sure and then there's a few others let's do tower the creator and his album is on your is his album on your top list as well i believe so yeah i struggle putting it there because as much as tyler the creator is a rapper that's not really a rap album that's no, like an not. 80s pop album really <laughs> so but it's still like if we're gonna just talk about rappers i would say like just quality wise and ambition wise that to me is like probably in my top three of he finally put it all together and I think Earthquake is the one that everybody likes yeah that seems to be the lead single but it is kind of he's one of the few people still making albums that are designed to be albums I don't think it's his break I think Flower Boy would probably be be the breakout for him which was also just kind of a step back from being a rapper that's like a very for lack of a better word flowery laid back guitar driven album with some verses but some songs don't have anything it'll just be like him musing on a on like Summer Love and that did a lot better for him than his history as a almost horrorcore rapper <laughs> with Odd Future. But uh, Igor is, I would say, the first time that he put together just like, he's always tried to be a singer, but his voice could not carry it. And mm-hmm. I think Igor was definitely a step in the direction like, oh, he can be melodic. He can kind of be an R&B singer when he really, really tries. He's figuring out his textures. Yeah. It's like an album where he's obviously been thinking about like what his voice is for a long time. And then also he uses a bunch of other rappers is like instruments like playboy Mm. cardi coming in there is a strange choice in anyone else's hands oh best verse of the year (laughs) it's so amazing i think people compared it obviously to like the childish gambino transition to a more melodic thing moving away from 
It's much better. It is way better. Yeah. <laughs> it is way more realized. <laughs> I, I, I have heard people say that. But, I mean, it is quite a transformation if you compare it to his earliest stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's like a different artist. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of those things where I think if you asked Tyler about that, he would just be like, yeah, I was 19 and 20 when I was starting to get some national acclaim, and now he's nearing 30. He, more than almost anyone else, is kind of thinking about his artistic legacy. Charles talked to Jaden Smith a couple weeks ago when yeah, his album came anyway. out and the funniest thing in it was Jaden being like I've been hanging out a lot with Tyler the Creator and he's just making me listen to old music yeah and you have to think like as much as it seems like a departure Tyler's been working with Charlie Wilson I think this is probably the third time on mm. his album so he really loves like a certain type of R&B a certain type of funk and I think honestly as a producer as much as you want to talk about his voice on Igor like the production is amazing. He's just stepped it up. I think a lot of times his production was not there. And Igor, along with the songs, along with just his singing voice, is just, you can tell he went back to listen to old R&B, old funk, and just put that all together into something that's great to listen to. Plus with a lot of interesting kind of fuzzy distorted shit yeah. too that that's kind of of his own addition to that stuff that's probably what i enjoyed the most white like i just read something like jack white was on the album and he was just like i don't want to credit because i can't even tell like where i am in this song which shows you just like tyler is at this point where so many musicians like trust him and will work with him to just do something great and they don't even care at this point mm -hmm. mm. what's your earthquake if we can if we got that ready that'd be good just have to say, if we're talking about best rap, can we just talk about Playboy Cardi as just instrument? On every album, he just comes on, and people use him in such a way where it's like Solange used him to great effect. Tyler, oh man, his voice and the way he raps is amazing. Well, here, yeah, he's rapping like he's a baby. <laughs> and I don't really know what caused that to be a thing. Like, it's one of his hallmarks, but I still don't understand why people like that. It's the year of the baby. Yeah, <laughs> and then on a young nudie song, like, that's called either Pissy Pamper or Kid Cudi that's never coming out. His verse is so good on that song that people were uploading it to Spotify under fake names. And it was, like, on their viral charts just because people wanted to listen to him that bad. Yeah. So it's a song that hasn't been officially released i believe cardi posted a snippet of it and then a slightly fuller version leaked but Got it's it. not like a real full song and people were finding ways around the spotify uploading rules <laughs> to upload a not fully realized song and it became like a brief moment yeah it was hitting the year. viral charts numerous times just because as soon as like spotify would take it down another person under another name would upload this audio and that shows you how much his baby voice has ruled 2019 <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the stranger directions hip-hop's gone in. That's wild. Wanted to pause for just a minute and talk about The Jump, a brand new original podcast from MailChimp. It's hosted by Shirley Manson of Garbage, and she sits down with seven of the most influential musicians of the past couple decades, and it's a good list. Nico Case, Esperanza Spaulding, Big Boy, Dave One from Chromio, Perfume Genius, Courtney Love, and Karen O., and they kind of zero in on a single song, one that represents their artistic moment of truth. And they look at the impact that, that song had on their careers and lives. Kind of a cool, focused concept for a podcast. And Shirley's always one of the best interviews in rock. I'm sure she's one of the best interviewers as well. And new episodes start June 24th. You can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify. Check it out now. So you're listening to Rolling Stone Music Now. We're talking about the year in hip-hop with Charles Holmes, and uh, I don't know if I actually introduced him because he showed up with <laughs> Brendan Klinkenberg. I'm determined to talk about Worth It, which is kind of like a, it's a pretty R&B song to me. 
He's uh, an R&B singer. It's funny when I interviewed him, he knows that YK Osiris is this young kid signed to Def Jam, the most successful of the recent signings. And he's a heartthrob. He is what I would call hearkening back to a time of a teenage usher. But he carries himself like a rapper. And when I talked to him, he was very honest. Like, you know, people call me a rapper, but I'm a singer. And Worth It is his biggest song to date. And it's cheesy. It's kitschy. There's a guitar solo. But it's really, for some it's just really 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 good and YK Osiris is just this young kid who <laughs> moves in a way that I haven't seen many artists do nowadays he's super earnest he's sober and he's just making teeny bop R&B worth it is amazing <laughs> and there's not like a ton of teeny bop R&B out there at the moment no, no. you've kind of got your like auteurist R&B where there's like a Frank Ocean-y thing. You've got your drugged out weekend styled stuff. Your um, sleepy lullaby, I would say like your black yeah. uh, would be in that. Um, and, the, and the entire nation of South Korea, of course. That's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that. Yeah, you, well, I guess that actually is closer to <laughs> exactly. the, the, yeah. YK is kind of like, I think Usher is like a good comparison point if you mix in Ja Rule. It's, uh, <laughs> he's not doing the vocal acrobatics, but he is singing. And yeah, he's singing about love. He's singing about high schoolers loving each other and himself being really hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Classic subjects. Let's hear that one if we can. You don't gotta be perfect. Mm-mm-mm. You just gotta be worthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will give you the world, baby girl. You just gotta be worthy. And now we, we talked a couple months ago about whether. Lil Nas X would be able to come up with a follow-up to Old Town Road, which was kind of a fraught thing. And he did. You know, he did. When I first heard Panini, my first reaction was like, it's perfectly fine, but it's like not original at all. It felt mm-hmm. very much in sort of like a Deuce World vein, or it's just like a song that was good, but I expected something much more different. But then I, I've warmed to it, and I think you liked it from the from the beginning. Oh, Panini was great from the get-go. Panini's an incredible beat. The funny thing about Lil Nas X is he's very, very good at making songs that on first you're like I don't want to like this but then it just grows like let's be real when people first heard Old Town Road I don't think anybody in a vacuum thought that that song was going to do what it did but it grows no. it grows on you over time and Panini has that same like the hook like hey Panini uh, don't you be a meanie is a dumb lyric like that's probably the worst lyric but it works. <laughs> well, that's the thing about his EP is it became very clear that he's making music for children. Yeah. Old Town Road is like a thing that was couched in irony, but you can listen to it really straightforward. And like, I think it was intended completely down the middle. And the rest of that EP is all stuff that's like right down the middle. Some of it works. Some of it you can kind of tell that he's uneven, especially yep. when he gets into like weird rock star territory. There's a couple songs on there that really <laughs> fall flat. But Panini's the best example of, like, he definitely has, like, a grasp on melody. He knows what people are going to like. That's a terrible line out of the chorus. But people will be singing it this summer. It's all working for him. Oh, there is just kids from, like, 5 to 13 who, like, think Lil Nas X is the best thing ever. And to me, that's the smartest movie he ever could have made. Because it's like, for us, we're dissecting it critically. But for your average 10-year-old, he's like, oh, Panini is the best song I've ever heard in my life. And, hey... (laughs) <laughs> hats off to Lil Nas X for you know finding that lane for himself <laughs> I mean the apotheosis of that is that video of the middle school going f- f- nuts I think when that's the elementary movie, school oh, it's pretty young oh, yeah, yeah, right, oh, right you're right it's like fifth grade yeah so it's like an elementary school just like absolutely going off when he did a live appearance and I think that that well he didn't have know, to sing it like, right. he just shows up they know who he is and then they're just the horses in the back is like they all start yelling it 
and then there's he gave credit for interpolating like a tiny bit of Nirvana on the song. My favorite theory is you know because he might have gone away with not crediting it as an interpolation because it doesn't. It's a tiny bit and it doesn't sound exactly like it. My favorite theory is that someone pointed out that it sounded kind of like the Nirvana song and he decided to credit it just for sort of extra clout and like internet discussion. But I guess that's unlikely in that he has to give some of the money to the Kurt Cobain estate. But you know what I mean? Like it provided a real talking point the day it came out. Yeah, I mean the basic understanding I have is he came up with the melody and then someone told him that it was already a Nirvana melody. <laughs> and then I do think it might be a flex on Columbia's part to get a Nirvana sample cleared. That's expensive work. It means they're taking Lil Nas X seriously. He's already minting money with Old Town Road. I do think that might have been a little bit of an attention-grabbing move. Yep, for sure. Well, let's hear Panini if we can. Hey, Panini, don't you be a meanie. Thought you wanted me to go. Why you I mean, also rhyming, why you trying to keep me teeny? <laughs> <laughs> with Panini and meanie, it's like it's some kind of galaxy brain level lyricism. Or, you know, or, <laughs> he, he's not going to win a Pulitzer. <laughs> but that beat, it just sounds so expensive. Yeah, take a <laughs> man. They killed. That's also like hats off to, he signed to Atlantic, right? Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. Hats off to Columbia for putting him in a studio with like, I don't know if take a day trip would have been my first choice, but they are very, very good. I've interviewed them before about taking new artists and really helping them through the process. And I believe that was Lil Nas X's first time ever in a studio when he's making Panini. So you have these two kids kind of helping him out and giving him beats that he's going to sound amazing on no matter what. So shout out to Take a Day Trip for really just pinpointing what he needed right after Old Town Road. Yeah, we we talked to a lot of the producers on that EP with the basic question being like, he's already got the number one song in America and everyone is kind of like, is this the new Macarena or is this the new like, I'm blue? And to their credit, they figured out how to work with him, but they were also, everyone we talked to was kind of like, he kind of came into the studio with a plan. Yeah. yeah. I was personally, as a reporter, expecting a, like, we have like a big thing, so we knew which beat we wanted to push, and they were all like, he didn't really like anything I played for him that I thought he would like, and then he picked this weird beat that I didn't expect him to pick, and then we had to like write around that really quickly because he's a 20-year-old like trying to turn around a, an album while the iron's still hot. He turned down all the Western beats when he was with Take a Day Trip at first. They had a bunch of like kind of Old Town Road-esque, and he's like, I don't want to do that. And that's how you get something like Panini that's super weird, which shows you, to me, Lil Nas X has an ear for picking things that will really, really resonate. Yeah, man, he's a he's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he may be. I mean, certainly he's already past the trickiest moment, which is when you go to buying a beat off some rando who made it from a nice nail sample and then making a fluke song to being in a studio with real producers and with all the pressure in the world on you and you make another hit. It's never going to be that hard again, probably. So he could go anywhere from here. I mean, who's going to underestimate him at this point? Nope. He's like vaulted as quickly as you can into the A-list. That is just the deal now. Everyone will pay attention to every Lil Nas X project now that he's kind of had a second hit. We're seeing that happen a lot quicker now. Cardi B is the best example from two years ago where she had Bodak Yellow and like obviously like a long run of general cultural awareness, but people thought that was going to be it. Yeah, for sure. And now she's probably like top five pop stars. Yeah, at some point we had the same conversation, I think even on the show, about how she's going to follow it up, blah, 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 yeah. blah, and even in her interviews with her before the album, it's like, how are you going to follow it up? And you, you either do it or you don't, and she did it, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think audiences are a little more primed to accept someone as like a celebrity. Mm. I think 
before someone like Taylor Swift, it, it does take a lot of ground game to get to the point where you accept it as like a capital P pop star. And now I think because everything's moving so fast, you kind of don't have to do that ground game anymore. Like if you do have one hit, you're a star. Like that is just the pop landscape we're living in right now. And I think also labels, they have so much more information for the first time that they never did, where they're getting very good at saying, oh, if you have one hit, we can make two or three more very easily. We get data on what songs are popping, which producers are popping. So I think labels are getting very, very savvy at like, oh, we just need somebody who has a hit, is a celebrity now. With streaming, with everything else, we can figure out the next two or three months very, very easily. I mean, you do have people falling off, right? I mean, Lil Pump is, thank God, <laughs> that fell off. Yeah, so, so Lil Pump's an interesting one because he had maybe still has this very like strange run of popularity but it is all the music's not very good everyone knows that and that none of his hits actually really reached the level of like a bodak yellow or a Lil nas x because the songs aren't that good like it is just like he does two minute long trap rap tracks that teens can like get really messed up to but Um, i would also say he was Lil Pump was dropping songs that were getting millions of plays on SoundCloud. So he's a little bit different from like, I would say a Cardi or Lil Nas X because he was very, very popular way before a major label had ever kind of come into the picture. It's just that for his style of rap, the runway for that is just very, very short, which we're seeing with most of the people that came up in that SoundCloud era. Yeah, it feels like we're a little post that already, obviously. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, think, sure. I think you're going to see this continue. Rap's moving really fast right now. What we talk about, like SoundCloud rap is a genre, I guess, but it kind of expanded and collapsed really fast. And I think that's going to continue to happen. I wanted to tell you about The Jump, a new MailChimp original podcast hosted by Shirley Manson. She sits down with seven of the most influential musicians of the last two decades. Nico Case, Esperanza Spaulding, Big Boy, Dave One from Chromio, Courtney Love, Karen O of the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, and Perfume Genius. In each episode, they discuss a song that represents the guest's artistic moment of truth and the impact that song had on their careers and their lives. New episodes start June 24th. The Jump is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was also just going over everything that's come out this year so far. It's like, to me, it's like the Migos album that came out last year already sounds like 100 years old. It's kind of fascinating. Like, we know that happens, but it really feels that way. Yeah. Charles talked a little bit about the labels side of things, and you're seeing like kind of the everyone's trying to invest in rap right now, but no one really knows where rap is going. And so you have labels like Def Jam, who has YK Osiris, and they're signing as many rappers as they can find to small deals. Yep. And they're just hoping that one of them pops. Columbia, on the other hand, is like waiting till an old town road comes up and then trying to outbid everyone else to make sure that they like have the publishing to that song. And we're going to see long term which strategy works. But it does seem like if you sign someone who's already made themselves a start, that's a safer bet than like trying to make one yourself. Going back to Charles's list, I think besides Tower, this is the most veteran artist on your singles list is uh, J. Cole's Middle Child. Yeah, as a song, that was very, very interesting that J. Cole just drops this song out of nowhere and it becomes one of the biggest songs of his career. It stayed on the Billboard charts. It might still be there for ever i think it was his highest peaking solo song and what middle child allowed him to do is kind of reboot his career in a way because for so long he was this insular artist and now he's shouting out 
having talks with Kodak Black and 21 Savage. And honestly, after Middle Child, he announces that he's going to have Revenge of the Dreamers 3, which is going to feature all of his artists on his Dreamville label and pretty much as many artists as he can get. So it was this, I would say, probably like the third wave of J. Cole transitioning from this solo artist who um, just wants to make a hit, then a solo artist who just wants to be left alone, to now the big brother who wants to put every single rapper under the sun on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. J. Cole's an interesting one because a reboot of his career is kind of a misnomer because he doesn't need to reboot his career. He's like consistently one of the best selling and most popular rap acts working right now. But he has, over the last probably almost a decade, been this like isolationist auteur. Like he's kind of a almost Terrence Malicky figure. He like lives in North Carolina. He hangs out with his wife and kid. He doesn't talk to anybody. He doesn't work with anybody else. He produces them. Like everyone jokes about how he goes platinum with no features. And then this year he starts dropping these songs that sound like they weren't made in a vacuum. Like he was doing this thing where he was making songs that just sound like they could have been released in any year. And like you would recognize them as rap songs, but they were just J. Cole stuff. And now he's starting to like pop up with the best verse that's auto-tuned out on a Young Thug song. And it's just a very interesting thing to see this guy who's been consistently one of the best, but like very much in his own lane, start to like interact with the world at large. And it's very interesting to see him as like a little bit of a kingmaker now, where he's like got this homegrown popularity that he's starting to like parcel out a little bit starting to like interact with the world at large and stylistically i think it's some of the best stuff he's done in his career is start to like take cues from what's popular instead of just like following his very traditional sensibilities and there was some skepticism among his non-fans until he started to build these bridges to his island he was perceived as good but corny that kind of thing right he's kind of one of those things yeah i mean he he has songs about like the joys of folding laundry in a domestic relationship. Like, he is a little corny. He's making music for people who just got engaged. He and- also was producing all of his own music, which... 100%. Yeah. Which yeah. kept him in this bubble of, like, he was never that great of a producer. I don't think that was his strongest... I would disagree with that, but... I would, that's, say, that's I would for say a different. I would say <laughs> no. I, I, I kind of disagree. Too. I, I think he was a very musical and interesting producer, but he was very much in his own vacuum. Yeah, but, nobody's yeah. ever gonna be like, "Yo, turn that J Cole beat up." Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna be real. And the reason that Middle Child to me was super popping the minute it dropped is because J Cole really didn't produce the bulk of that beat, and it sounds like it. It sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the skepticism. <laughs> <laughs> the skepticism embodied right here. Let's hear that song. Though. I'm writing down names. I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice and I'm getting them hit The real ones been dying, the fake ones is lit The game is off balance, I'm back on my shit The Bentley is dirty, my sneakers is dirty But that's how but I'm you're not a fan of the uh, of the compilation album though, of the Dreamwell? It's, fi- it's fine, I don't think that I think what happened is, is that when he announced this He was giving out invitations. You saw it on Twitter and Instagram of all of these rappers that were supposed to come down besides the ones that are signed to him like J.I.D., Boz, Ari Lennox. There was other people like a Vince Staples or a Saba and everybody he invited some journalists down were saying like this was going to be the best thing ever. And when I listened to the album, like, oh, this is just an average compilation album. What did you think, Brendan? Competently made. It's got some songs that are really good, some songs that are just very much like, oh, yeah, this is what would happen if like you gave these people this beat. And that's not bad and like i do think there is an audience for that it went number one already yeah it Um, went number one it did what it needed to do because it got a lot of new artists on the billboard hot 100 for the first time who are especially the thing about j cole and being signed to dreamville is that they had a cult following but i wouldn't say any of them had gotten past that 
your JIDs, your Earth Gangs, your Ari Lennox. It wasn't like a Drake type of situation. When you sign with OVO, Drake's going to hop on your song and automatically he kind of vaults you into this. J. Cole was a little bit more precious. I think now he's just like, oh no, I need to actually push JID and Earth Gang and Ari to a place and pay attention to them. And now they're all got some of their first Billboard Hot 100 entries. Yeah, so I think it's a good introduction to a lot of these artists. I think if you're following their careers like we are, I don't think any of the artists on there have their best songs. Mm. Like, I don't think any of JID's like best work was on his last mixtape, Not Here. But it is cool to hear him on like a bigger project. Yeah, Down Bad is uh, probably my favorite song from that album. And it's pretty much just J.I.D. doing what he does on his mixtapes. But it sounds more important because <laughs> it's couched by like, oh, this is J. Cole. J. Cole is finally like giving J.I.D. the push that he needs. Let's touch on the Sanguine Paradise, uh, but Lily's were This is Brendan's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, wasn't he supposed to be retired at some point? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sure, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he came out of retirement, lasted six months. <laughs> no one really knows what's going on with Uzi, but he consistently proves that you should keep paying attention to him. He's having a weird time. His album has been long delayed, but he has this staying power just because he came up with this SoundCloud rap wave, but was like head and shoulders above everyone else, just like in terms of being a formerly interesting rapper. And then all also like making interesting decisions at every turn. He was never just putting out songs. Sanguine Paradise is a weird one. I think it's probably the best beat of the year. He uh. doesn't have a chorus, to, so to speak. Like it's just kind of letting him run through this one. I don't know what else there is to say. It's just one of those songs that I think is kind of special. And similar to like Exo Tour Life when it dropped, I was like, oh, this one's going to have a little bit of staying power. This is an interesting one. It's like clearly a one-off. There's always one or two people from a scene like that that will end up transcending it as everyone else falls back. And he's pretty clear that he's... Yeah, know. I mean, and it's just one... I think it's almost like a mischaracterization to compare him to like a little pump. Like well, yeah. They, like, like, but they, <laughs> yeah. but that was yeah. what was happening when yeah. he when he was first coming up. Like he was releasing everything to SoundCloud. He was getting grouped in with all these people. But like he was the one who was making like interesting songs. And I think that's what's going to keep him in the game, even if he like continually like falls in and out of love of making music and stops producing things. He was also the most influential, which is weird to say because he was influencing kids that were like two years younger than him <laughs> but if you think about the context of like who's popping now juice world to me is just off the low uzi vert tree just to a more he's like hey what if i just did every song and it sounded like exotor life <laughs> right you right. know even a little bit of lil nas x you can hear that melody that melancholy just that very pop punk s type thing yeah the emo pop punk yeah. thing reincarnated in this unexpected place for sure even yeah. somebody like billy eilish who's not a rapper but you can see that for whatever reason, Lil Uzi Vert was that person who was able to transcend all of his peers and in a young thug s way, just be this guy who may not be the most popular rapper, but at any point, he's probably the most influential rapper whenever he drops a song. Yeah, like Billy got her Fall Boy melody influence via these rappers, which is crazy, but I really think that's probably what Billy, happened. Billy's an interesting because yeah. I do think that she's not making rap music, obviously, but I think if you're analyzing her career and like how it blew up so fast you just have to look at the playbook rappers i'm using because it's all the same stuff and like the way the attention all like kind of hit at the right time was a very much like all based on like how rappers are moving right now yeah best rapper alive is charles says. <laughs> <laughs>
I got a lot of best rappers a lot. Yeah, it's a long long list. We should go down the list of women because it is an interesting year since Cardi has been a little bit quiet. I may not like her music as much, but we have to talk about Megan having, is having a moment. And I think Megan is a perfect example of, she's just very, very savvy. And everything that she does, like older viewers are probably like, why do I keep seeing Hot Girl Summer? And it's just, that's all (laughs) Megan the Stallion. And Brendan, I think you're probably more of a fan than I am. Yeah, she's from Houston, is way more of a traditionalist than anybody else, I think, on our list this year. She's making real rap songs. She's like a very, very good lyricist. She's not afraid to get really dense on like what otherwise would be a club track. And it's just like, I think she proves almost more than anybody else that like, Rap right now is very malleable. You don't really have to follow any kind of playbook. If you're making good songs, it does work. And then on the marketing side, she is just like one of these people who is quickly becoming a star faster than like her music is getting popular. You want to root for Megan because whether it's she loves anime one day, the next day she's making like a black exploitation music video with Hype Williams. She just does savvy moves that are like, oh, this is a person that I want to put my dollars and my support behind. Yeah. She's cool. Like, everybody thinks she's cool. <laughs> it's a persona thing as much as it's, uh, you know, and she's good. I mean, I yeah. think, you know. No, I, I think she's extraordinarily I think she's, You're talented. right. She is more traditionalist and a little more old-fashioned than the stuff that's, like, on the cutting edge. But at the same time, there's one of her biggest songs is with the baby, which is uh, Cash Shit. Let's hear that if we have it. Bitch, I'm a star. I got these niggas wishing. He say he hungry. This pussy the kitchen. Yeah, that's my doubt. He gonna sit down and listen. Call him a trick and he... She also, I mean, there's a long history of uh, of cunnilingus and rap lyrics, but I think, I think she might be the foremost proponent opponent of that subject in, in, right, in, right, in right now sure yeah, yeah, um yeah, she yeah. has a lot of competition there but yeah like you just listen to that and it's obviously got just bass is basically the thesis of that beat but she's in the pocket she's rapping like really tight bars it's not how a lot of these rappers we've been talking about a lot of people who like are bringing in more melody they're getting closer to singing there's a lot of people on this list when we're running through like the best songs of the year so far that are almost not rapping at all. Yeah. I think and Rico Nasty would be another one who's just like, she's in that same pool of like, she's just a good rapper. Yeah, but then there's these people who like kind of turn that theory on its head because they're blowing up right now and they're just doing it by being really, really technically accomplished rappers. Yeah. Yeah, Rico Nasty's Anger Management is on your list of best albums. <sighs> Yeah, Rico, been following her for a while. Rico is, a, is an interesting case because she's had like two or three different styles in a very short time. She used to do bubblegum trap, which was very melodic and SoundCloud-esque. Yeah, her start was very almost like if you made Lil Yachty songs good songs, <laughs> where it was super bright, super fun. She was obviously a good rapper and like was making these kind of Technicolor rap songs. And then she is kind of a one of those people who loves playing with her own image and has then gone through two super aggressive stuff. And then on Anger Management, she kind of tempers that a little bit. She worked with Kenny Beats, who's um, getting a reputation as a producer, as the guy you go to when you want to make like a full-fledged album. He'll make all the beats for you. Yep. He'll be the point man on it. And this is him doing that treatment with Rico Nasty. And I think it's probably to the best effect that he's had so far. Yeah, I would say he's the type of producer where he will produce somebody like Key or Vince Staples. And he's not doing the big stars. He's doing those people who really just still care about putting out a good album. And I think Anger Management is a good example of just a cohesive album this year that is just it rules. Really yeah. <laughs> let's hear, I can't say it with a straight face, but let's hear big titties from that album. <laughs> and 
just to hit some other notes that are just just in her album list, let's look at Kevin Abstract, Arizona Baby. Yeah, I interviewed Brock Hampton. I talked a lot to Kevin and Arizona Baby. What I liked about that album is it's so claustrophobic. It's so personal. That group has gone through so much. And Kevin, as the leader on that album, he's talking about things that he told me that he couldn't really talk about on a Brockhampton proper. And it's everything from how he feels about his parents or his siblings and the guilt of being wealthy or the guilt of having to kick out a member from Brockhampton and not really knowing how he's supposed to process that. So I think while it didn't get the reception that I think it should have. It is one of the most really accomplished albums of this year, emotionally speaking. That's Kevin's the only one with like an actual solo career. He's had yeah. albums before. This isn't his biggest album, but it is his. It's the one that's come after he's had the most popularity. Yeah, and it's a perfect example, I think, of Brockhampton is trying to get bigger and Kevin Abstract is at the point where he just wants to get artier. <laughs> it's a funny one when it's being sold as like a more personal album because Brockhampton's like whole thing is they are extraordinarily personal. They're making songs that knock and they like can get kids like into the show, but like the reason it's connecting so much is because the verses are incredibly personal on those albums where Kevin will talk about the coming out process or the fact that like when he was in high school he was trying to hook up with girls and just couldn't do it. And like when he's like I'm going to get more personal. I was like, how do you how do you do that? And then this album comes out and he he really does it. This is more personal. It feels like you're in a therapy session with him. Let's hear Peach from that album. I'm not the type to tell my homies about you. You're not the type to hold me down through the years. How about Cowboy? Wild Boys. Oh, uh, no. He's another Chicago guy coming out. And before Polo G, Envy Me was the biggest song from that. Envy Me is an incredible song. It's probably a, like we've been talking about this wave of Chicago rappers who are getting more emotive and melodic. Yeah, and but, he has the, I think, the best song that demonstrates like what that scene sounds like. But yeah, on one of the songs with Yo Gotti and Lil Durk, I believe, on the new album, he talks about how traumatic of an experience being in Chicago is at this point. And to me, that album is the best summary so far in just a very short package of what these kids are not only dealing with, but as he told me, they're trying to get to a point that Chief Keith, Lil Durk, who became before them, could never get to. If we were going to play something from that album what would it be envy me yeah in the one minute I got what I oversee. in the one minute we have left real quick uh coda the friend yeah coda the friend new york rapper a little bit under the radar he's just great he's making a type of backpack rap that just is not popping right now but to me that album was very very good because it shows you that bren was saying rap's really malleable and there's still people who want to hear those kind of like kanye-esque very personal growing up tales and that one is the best example of that all right well that's been our show we talked about hopefully hit on a bunch of the best hip-hop of 2019 so far thanks to charles Holmes and Brendan Klinkenberg. We'll be back next week here on SiriusXM's Volume Channel 106. In the meantime, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. Maybe leave us a nice review on iTunes. That is always appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening, and we will definitely see you next week.
welcome to Talkville. The Ultimate Smallville Rewatch Podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although, I didn't really work with her a lot. But, Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.